0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another <laughs> way too serious episode of Inspiration Point. I am Andrew. And I am Adam. I don't know why I paused as long as I did. Uh,
1: it, was a dram- it was a great dramatic pause. You, you really set the mood, I'll say. Wait for it. Bam. We build anticipation.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Suspense. Yes, suspense. But like the worst kind of suspense because nobody's scared of us.
1: No, mm. no. We're, this is not not a podcast about fear, despite our episode about fear.
0: Yes, there was. As, as you were saying that, I was like, well, yeah, you know.
1: <laughs> Listen, this is a podcast about emotions. And sometimes fear is part of that. But the only reason why we feel fear is because... We hate to lose the things we love, and that my friends, is the secret ingredient to positive role playing is love
0: that's true, although I gotta say when when you were when you were saying, "Um the secret to fear uh is
1: still love, it's still love you like because... slammed
0: a bunch of other emotions in there too, though like you threw hate in there, and that was. That was a reference I didn't see coming.
1: The secret to good hate is love, right? It's it's always works. It always works. You hate a villain if you had otherwise strong emotions for them, or if they threaten something that you love, or if they destroyed something that you love.
0: Ah, uh, that's true. That's if true. I
1: build the if I build the fear of loss over something that you love, if I make you care about your PC and then threaten to take their life away. That is effective. That is strong. Mm. So, inspiration point, where we teach you to threaten people with the things they love.
0: Well, threaten the things that they love. <clears throat>
1: In role-playing <laughs> games.
0: <laughs> In role-playing I just, games.
1: I feel like it was important to help establish that's I was talking about role-playing games and not
0: real life. I hate that I have to take that seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... There shouldn't be, right. There shouldn't be people that. Well,
1: just in case this was your first episode of Inspiration Point podcast, and you were like, "Is this about murder?"
0: It is definitely <laughs> not at all. Do I have to edit that out?
1: <laughs> I don't think so. I think we're okay.
0: I think by virtue of that- the fact that I'm asking the question, means I have to leave it in.
1: Listen, Andrew, I've had a day. Can I tell you that
0: you've had a day?
1: Have I? Have you ever read the children's book? The no good, awful, horrible, terrible, no good, very bad day.
0: Oh, I thought you were gonna go with a uh, series of unfortunate events, but I guess we are both arriving the same destination.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I didn't read that book, and I I saw about five minutes of the movie. That's about as much as I did. Mm. Uh, well, not that I necessarily disliked it, it. It just it it was on TV, and and I just walked past it. But regardless, I had basically the worst day ever. So I'm in, I'm in a mood. I'm in a mood. I have to tell you, but I'm at least I'm at the point in the mood during the day where it's all just kind of funny now.
0: Well, that's that's <laughs> something. It's yeah. Dare dare I ask if uh if in fact you can say uh what happened? Yeah. Uh,
1: lost my keys this morning. Oh, that'll. Uh, what which, which is fairly minor, but it made me later than I was going to be. Uh, then I got to work and. On my way to work, I almost died. Someone almost killed me what? because they drove in the lane that I was driving in towards me.
0: What? That Somebody
1: was driving happened? in my lane. I had to pull off into the dirt to lose this game of chicken that I didn't sign up for.
0: What the what? Are-
1: then I got to work. at the, After that, my League of Legends team had the first loss ever of the entire season during semifinals. So that was cool. And then I tried to get into my car to go home, and my car was completely dead. I've been home for not very long, so that's been my day. How was
0: about yours? <laughs> I I don't even like anything. All of this is true. Anything I say about my day, <laughs> you you'll be like trade. Be better with though,
1: me bro. If if you had been like actually it was way worse. <laughs> I'm like
0: whoa. I tell me about that. I but I I'm not that quick. Um, wow, that is yeah. a that is an incredibly garbage day.
1: Yeah, it was like roll twenty was in charge of my life and in charge of all my dice rolls. It was it's, fantastic.
0: Y- yeah, 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 that that tracks. Oh my. God. <laughs> god
1: uh speaking of bad luck on roll 20 the night before i had a great day oh. i had a great session of and i mean you have had a bad session but i had a really good session
0: well you know <laughs>
1: the wheel turns the wheel turneth the wheel gives and the wheel taketh away it 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 took away it took away uh sometimes the rod of wonder uh does some fun stuff and sometimes it just causes a
0: tpk yeah, you know, and um not gonna say it was my fault, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean it was a little bit your fault. I mean if you pull the trigger on something that has like eighteen awesome bullets and two bullets that backfire, but every time you, you know, shoot I- it, all the bullets you shot are replaced. So, you still. If you guys
1: had been immediately surrounded, it would have been great.
0: Oh, God, it would have been good. But of course, I do it when it's our surprise round and we are still off the map. So, in no range of any hostile people, very much in range of all friendly people. Let me tell you, kids, there's nothing friendly about friendly fire.
1: That's true. That's true. But it can be hilarious i killed one of my allies in league of legends which i didn't know was possible mm-hmm. it was it was on accident it was a really smooth brain moment as the kids say huh. and uh it's uh yes a character had placed a bomb on me that was on a timer and then i walked into one of my allies at low health
0: well you learn something new every day
1: and uh i i was like sorry they did not accept my apology <laughs>
0: That that was that wasn't good enough for them.
1: That was not good
0: enough for them. That's where we are at. Oh. Like like okay, if you if someone told you prior to this day, all right, make up and like script the worst day ever without being completely over the top, what would you have put in that worst day ever?
1: Well, I can certainly imagine worse things other than almost dying. My my day was a series of inconveniences. And, you know, and I I do need to put that in perspective.
0: Yeah, but inconveniences suck. That's why they're inconveniences. They
1: they do. I mean, most of the things I listed were very much first world problems, let's say. Yeah. And I I can, let's say, recognize my privilege to that extent. I have, while not ideal, an otherwise rather blessed life. There you go. And there so there's something positive. Maybe it just takes having a particular bad day to give you a little perspective.
0: Hey, you know, we we always say in our games, um, well, maybe not always, but we have been known to say at various points It's like time, I
1: always say.
0: <laughs> it's like I always say you can't appreciate the good times without the bad. And yeah. if if the bad times are just Wastes of time or you know stuff like that, you know
1: well it's su- suffering certainly plays its role in life and it plays its role in our games
0: and in your pleasure in running our games
1: that's right, and you know what's what's interesting is when you sign up to play a game like Dungeons and Dragons or some other tabletop role playing game or even a video game, you are essentially asking to undergo. A fantasy version of suffering. You're going to create a character who is going to be shot and stabbed and burned and frozen and beaten and cut and all these other terrible things because you believe that they will these experiences will make your character stronger and will allow them to defeat dragons and overcome dungeons.
0: You take this way too seriously. <laughs>
1: Well, listen, I've been playing uh, I've been playing a lot of Far Cry (laughs) and and Far Cry games are interesting because they're like half of it is like power fantasy and the other half of it is abject your character is suffering right now. Oh, it's like, yeah, it gets your character gets tortured like on the regular in a Far Cry game. In fact, I dare say too often it gets repetitive. You you know, half the time half the time you get kidnapped and tortured. Man, when you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm feeling it tonight. I'm Ugh. feeling it.
0: I I told um, you to bring the happiness, man.
1: Well, it, it all does go somewhere, right? Because we're not trying to create a, a life that is free of suffering. We may, we may think that we are, but we would be terribly bored, right? It's like when you watch the first Matrix film, mm. and they say that in the first few experiments that the machines did, the people all rejected it. They mentally couldn't believe that or it, accept that the world they had been given because it was too perfect. Yeah.
0: God, I forgot about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, The Matrix is a fantastic film. The um the sequels less so. Yeah. They were still fun for what I remember yeah. of them. I mean, you know, if you grew up on Dragon Ball, you know, there's some Dragon Ball stuff in the third one that's fun. Oh yeah. I I remember them <laughs> flying around that giant bubble. It looked a little silly, I'll be honest. But speaking of Keanu Reeves, oh
0: oh what are you doing and
1: i'll and i'm just gonna let you talk now
0: uh that keanu reeves he's a he's a talented fellow
1: because of what comes out this weekend
0: cyberpunk <laughs> yeah it's gonna be good Old johnny silverhand oh or uh i i was listening to a to a podcast uh the dark future dice podcast if anyone's looking okay. for like a cyberpunk actual play um nice and one of the characters one of the characters is a f- uh from canada so they in their game they worked in <laughs> like a knockoff canadian johnny silverhand <laughs> And he's A like, what? he's like, like Tommy tin fist or some, <laughs> <and not laughs> some bull crap like that. <laughs> it's really funny. Cause I
1: think we need more K- Canadian knockoffs. of <laughs> Most things that exist in America. I think that would be really hilarious, but please continue.
0: Oh, uh, like just the only times you ever encounter this person, the <laughs> is, Oh, is someone, someone, one of the main characters knew it was an NPC. And they found out when they called this person and they had the person's uh, the MPC's cell phone pick up, but it's an it's one of those one of those stupid music answering services <laughs> and it's like Tommy Tinfist doing his like 15 second pre-recorded ad <laughs> and that like with the with the paid version of the answering service you could like get like special tickets to a concert or some nonsense like that it was freaking hilarious like he the person doing the the gm um the in the gm spot they when they edited and everything they put like an answering machine filter over the voice so it had that like kind of crappy like no low end phone speaker feel to it. And he's just got this like completely unremarkable uh guitar track playing in the background where he's like, hi, it's Tommy 10 fist <laughs> log into my website for free concert tickets or whatever. It was just terrific. Canadian knockoffs, Super great.
1: You know, I'll be honest the whole time you were talking, I was just pic- picturing, Canadian, Keanu Reeves as Johnny Silverhand, but half of his head was cut. And so, like, whenever he would talk, it was the top half of his head dancing around above his lower jaw, like in South Park. Yeah. That's That's where I was at. You know? And that's fine. He was like, I'm not your your guy, friend. I'm not your friend.
0: I'm not your buddy, guy. Yeah. I'm not your buddy, pal.
1: Uh yeah yeah that's uh that's what canadians are like i think <sighs> it's the it's the great white menace to the north
0: if if canadians were the menace the world would be a better place <laughs> that's true You're <laughs> 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 yeah they're not they're really not
1: bad guys i uh
0: <laughs> did you see that that throwdown video uh <laughs> between hugh jackman and ryan reynolds
1: I saw the beginning of it, yeah.
0: Did you Yeah, that was Did you see when he, funny. when he pulls in Ryan's mom? No, I didn't see that. Oh god. Ryan Reynolds he, this guy is not my friend. He's not your friend. I'm pretty sure he's not anybody's friend. Isn't that right, Ryan's mom? And then they pop up Ryan Reynolds' actual mother. And she goes, that's right, Hugh. And then they just cut away from her. And then they go to Ryan Reynolds' dejected, mother-rejected face. And he's like, mom... (laughs) <laughs> where are you keeping beautiful her? i'm not keeping her anywhere she's with me ryan <laughs> no.
1: cyberpunk check it out this weekend uh they're not paying us but we're gonna play it so you might as well oh
0: yeah i i've been i've been very very cautiously looking at some reviews uh oh yeah and I've been really working hard, not to spoiler myself, and I've been pretty successful. Sure. Um, I have been seeing mixed reviews on it. Um, some, yeah. some people are completely blown away. Others, yeah. they've been a little put off by, I guess there were a lot of bugs. But... Ah, uh, sure. But the re- I'm fine with bugs. That's right. Fine. Um, And I heard that there are some... Some things that can like sometimes break immersion or like like the fact that you're in this place and so much of it looks so real and is so well presented that a lot of times you might like find yourself trying or wanting to do things that seem like you ought to be able to do them. But you can't like like interacting with a food vendor or talking to a random person on the street.
1: So you have to like remind yourself, oh yes, I'm playing a video game. Yeah. And then that can kind of take you. I mean, I think that's the, the risk you run when you make a very ambitious project like this, like this was, this is even beyond the scope of the Witcher, which the Witcher was like, okay, we're going to tell you a really cool story. You're going to have this really cool sort of medieval Batman feel. Mm -hmm. And and you're going to feel like you're Geralt and that's neat. But this is like a whole, like, experience on a whole other level like it's trying to almost be beyond a video game but we have to check ourselves and be like but it's a, also a video game yeah and and it you know and it, and it's gonna have limitations and this is not literally transporting us to a un another universe where we can do literally anything we want it, it is finite and we need to make sure that we've got our head on straight here right
0: well and they they also mentioned like there are some times where it seems like the game was potentially wanting or maybe signaling like they were like, they wanted to take on like political, uh, hot, certainly hot topics. Um, yeah, most video games do, to be honest. Well, it's, it seems like they were thinking about that and, depending on what topic it is that you sometimes go about doing that better or worse. Like there are some times where little ham-fisted perhaps where there were the reviewers just didn't, didn't like how they went about it or, or sometimes the fact that they seemed like they were going to maybe address it and then just didn't or, you know,
1: 'Cause like video games have been very political lately. You know, the the yeah. Far Cry series has some tangential politics. Uh, um uh GTA five was political oh, to a degree. Sure. Um the entire Bioshock series is extremely political. Yeah. Um, you know, the 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 list goes on. I mean, at this point I just expect it. I mean, hell, even uh Civilization Six had um freaking um <laughs> a global warming. Yeah. as a uh, as an add-on mechanic which by the way is so fun to play with especially <laughs> if you turn on meteors it's <laughs> oh, awesome <man.
0: laughs>
1: cuz okay here's the play here's here's what you do this is how you win the diplomatic victory okay you you build up as much diplomacy points as you can as normal but here's what you do you uh, you intentionally cause as much pollution as you possibly can so that it starts lots oh. of natural disasters and then you pay for reparations on all the natural disasters to the other country, which wins you diplomatic points.
0: Oh my God. So And that
1: you is how I won so with the Mayans. What, on on um In fact, that's how I won Deity the one time I tried the one the one time I actually won it. Wow. And then I got the achievement, and I said, I'm never trying that again.
0: <laughs>
1: Jeez. It's like. Because that took a few tries.
0: It's like being the window repair man walking past a storefront, smashing their window with a brick, and then going, man, looks like you could use a new window. Ah,
1: the Friedrich Bastiat broken window fallacy, I see. Mm. Very astute, Andrew. I go. did not expect that. Hey. Hey. I didn't know you were an economist. Well done.
0: No one expects that kind of stuff. Or the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> and we're back. But what people do expect is for us to come to this show completely unprepared. And I think that that <laughs> brings us very nicely into this evening's Inspiration Point. Hey, Inspiration Point. Yeah. And uh, we've been also been introing for... Almost 24 minutes, so <laughs> thank you all hey, for Hey, we, we around.
1: had kind of a couple of mini inspiration points. You know, Some, we really
0: did. An amuse-bouche, you might say. Hmm, amuse-bouche. I think this is the second time we've referenced an amuse-bouche on our show. Yes. Very good. For those of You're you at welcome. home uh, keeping score, that's two amuse-bouches.
1: So... Duh, as we say.
0: Yes. Fonce.
1: Amuse (laughs) bouche. De. So. De. (laughs) De foie.
0: dang it. Allez, je vous écoute. You just manufacture excuses to speak French. (laughs) C'est vrai. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I said it's true. So. Tonight because of our unpreparedness uh we want to speak about prepping yes indeed because uh we thought that'd be very appropriate get so we're it. gonna teach you all to be preppers not doomsday preppers <laughs> ah. although <laughs> that's cool too throws
1: away all of his notes
0: not gonna lie have thought about it and had a, <laughs> not a few zombie apocalypse fantasies where I'm like, yeah, having a bomb shelter would be pretty dope.
1: Everything seems like crazy conspiracy
0: theory until it's 2020. That's right. That couldn't possibly. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I suppose it can. Uh, so bomb shelter repair, man, where do I start? never say never, kids? Never say never. So, after our eighty seventh, <laughs> tiny tangent, <laughs> how does one prepare? You might think that it's insane for people like us to have the audacity to try to tell you how to prepare, because obviously, <laughs> we don't know either. <laughs> I'll, I'll
1: I'll tell you this, you know. Um, so I'm the career DM in in the call, and I I prepare a lot. I think that you do. it's a weird it's a weird balance when you're running a TTRPG or really when you're doing any kind of presentation. You know, whether you you're teaching a class or you're giving a seminar or you're preparing a party, right? Um luck favors the prepared as they say. Mm. And being prepared is a strange dance in a TTRPG. Yeah. Where you are trying to make sure that you, as the GM, are still having fun, but that you are producing a quality experience for people. So I have had GMs in the past that did not prepare hardly at all, and I've had other GMs that have done an amazing job. And the the difference is really night and day. Um, your ability <laughs> to prep. improv. <laughs> no, I'm just... You say you don't prep, and yet... Mm. I think I think there may be more to what you do than you perhaps even realize right away, but That could be. You know, and there's a compliment in there.
0: No, oh, I I heard it. I just kind of let good, it good. wash over me like
1: a I I once had a GM who literally never prepared. I I gave him several chances. I I think it came to 5 of his of his sessions and not once did he ever truly prepare a session.
0: Like literally did not Repair. repair prepare thing?
1: Okay, so you and I blew about 20 minutes talking about things, right? And we still managed to at least be tangentially related to what we were talking about. This guy would try to waste hours so he wouldn't have to actually run D&D, but he would all Aww. he would invite everyone to the D&D game and not then not prepare a game.
0: So was he just using D&D as an excuse to get social time with people? Like that's sounds- Perhaps? That sounds like there could even actually seriously be uh an underlying like I'll be honest issue. I
1: think the I think the main reason he did it was maybe one was social time but I think the other thing was he wanted to make friends so that he could eventually sell real estate to them. I think that was his goal.
0: Get out.
1: Because cuz he was a real estate guy. Really? And I, I listen, maybe maybe he just happened to be a real estate guy who was also a terrible DM. But he, um, yeah, he emailed me for a long time with the chain email he sends to everybody. I, I wonder if it wasn't a method of making contacts.
0: I can't imagine the scenario that it would take for and me to purchase property from a crappy DM. <laughs>
1: Like, at least be a good one, yeah. right? Then i at least be like, this guy knows what he's talking about. He cares about his work. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. He's I prepared. Think that, and listen, I know as well as anybody that this is a, a difficult hobby, right? Um, and so, like, I I hate to throw around a word like terrible. Like, we've had other DMs where I, I, I didn't have the best experience, but it would be really hard for me to say they were terrible. Right. Because at least in some fashion, they tried their best. They tried to deliver an experience and I can point at a couple of times where I had a good time. Yeah, sure. In this scenario, I never had a good time. It was always a waste of time. Ugh. I eventually just stopped going. I had to stop going. I hated it. Man. And uh, part of the reason I, I went as long as I did is because I had other friends there that I, whose company I, I enjoyed. Right. Um, I had made new acquaintances. Everybody was really pleasant. Uh, we ate pizza. Mm. Uh, it, it doesn't listen, take I'll much. do a lot for pizza. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, pizza's huge. That's not nothing, you know, but this guy never prepared. I probably over-prepare, and this is the other yep. snag that you can definitely hit. And
0: may- maybe you'd like to talk a little bit about the City of Odd. You know, that's, that is actually what came into my head uh, when you were talking about that. Um, the City of Odd was a a setting that I was trying to build from the ground up god what uh like a decade like ago like a decade now. like maybe
1: yeah about a decade maybe slightly longer yeah
0: and this is actually something that in the I think maybe subconsciously even had a bit of a part in how I wrote spectacular settlement and sort of why I got into that project as much as I did, because this was the experience that showed me how utterly frustrating and just mind crushing it can be to try to really design a city and think of all the things that are in it. Um, It was supremely exhausting. And on top of that, I wanted it to be not just any kind of setting, but a specifically funny kind of setting. In retrospect, I'm guessing that I was probably going for a sort of Discworldy. Yeah, Terry kind of Pratchett was what Very, came to mind. Yeah. yeah, so somewhere where you're kind of hitting fantasy tropes, but also throwing in some parody and some trademark Andrew goofiness. Um, sure, and I because i had this desire to be as as prepared as humanly possible i dove way deep and started you know drawing every street every house trying to come up with the cosmology all these different gods um all these different npcs all these different connections and It just got to be so much that well before I actually stopped working on it, I stopped having fun working on it because it was such a massive mental burden and it was so exhausting that, you know, the instant I would think about it or look at it, I just wouldn't want to go back to it. I prepped so much that there was nothing exciting or new or fun about the setting at all it was just oh god there's more of this you know
1: i think that's that's a point i want to jump on real quick yeah because i think that one thing i've been learning from running my own homebrew system and running a little bit of storm kings has been the joy of discovery within your own game world as the as the gm yeah to to allow the players the autonomy to help shape that world with you mm-hmm. is tremendously free to, freeing. It's yeah. also very, of course, rewarding for your players who now have have sh- helped shape that world. They've made their mark. It, it definitely hits those achiever notes. Yeah. And,
0: it, and on top of that, for any D&D player, it helps build, or I shouldn't even say just D&D, any TTRPG player. Yeah. Um, yeah. It helps them build investment. Oh, that's the thing I came up with. I actually, like you said, made my mark. I had some something of a hand in this place. Obviously, not as much as the DM, but I contributed something. Um, and that's, that's more incentive to invest yourself and to to be involved because you were involved.
1: So, like, your first character in, in this, in my current setting, you know, became, for all intents and purposes, the king of the city, mm. uh, the of the new settlement they had created. Uh, he's technically not a king, but whatever, he's the lawmaker, he's a, and he um, sits in judgment of everyone. A figurehead, he, at least. At the, at the very least. And, and people go to him as a source of, of wisdom and judgment and impartiality. And he of course, was also the local hero during, in his day, mm. you know, your second character ended up being a, a sort of deific character, you know, you're the mm. angelic judge of, of, uh, uh, other gods, right? Like you're this God killing assassin, mm. like. It's pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. And then now your third character is helping build up another settlement and he is running trade in that area. Mm -hmm. And he is also having ties to, to deities. And so if I ever run this again, I mean, all of these things exist in this universe. Now they're all part of the myth.
0: Yeah, that's true. And you, even as you've been running, it's been clear that, um, it, in your prep you have actively been thinking about these things like you will bring old characters and old events and old interactions in in ways that are not blunt like um in this Monday's session we had had a previous campaign that was run by one of the other guys in this group but you guys decided that the city his campaign took place in, which was also a homebrew place, actually existed in your world. And you, in Monday's session, took a bunch of information about the characters we played in that other DM's game and pulled it in here and actually used references to our old characters from that GM's game. And it was so cool to see those notes come out because you could tell like it wasn't as blunt as, oh, you just run into this thing you recognize, you know, it's a person you've met before or some something, something like that, that doesn't have the same level of finesse where like last night we ran into like stained glass windows that had depictions of these old characters. Um, and those stained glass windows were connected to these animated maps you got, and all this stuff like you could tell that a lot of love and attention to detail was put into preparing for the game, and it it made a difference that a blind man could see between looking at how the session was and imagining what the session would have been had you not actually prepped like anything apart from maybe pulling over a map.
1: Right. And, and sometimes that can, it can feel like that's all we can do that. It's all we have time
0: for. Sure. And that happens to the best of us,
1: but let me tell you something, those stained glass windows that I think that were the best part of the campaign, they came from a a place of what I would say is fun preparation. Mm-hmm and a lot and actually lots of improv a lot of the stuff i said that was depicted was made up like uh, i mean it's all made up but i mean i oh, basically said it up. but i basically said it on the spot
0: really like uh, when we yeah. asked what was in the windows you yeah. hadn't prepped yeah. that i hadn't prepped that well I there knew... goes uh, the validity in anything <laughs> i said but wait wait wait
1: but wait but wait there's more okay oh, because oh. Y- what you say is still valid oh thank god because well, we well first of all we had an entire other campaign, so you might say that was some of the preparation.
0: Sure, I might.
1: Uh, an- <laughs> another thing is I had some mental notes of what I believed had happened between that campaign and now, mm. but I hadn't necessarily written down that the windows in this room depict the following images.
0: Wow! I, I actually,
1: I actually hadn't expected that any of you would care about the stained glass windows.
0: Oh my god! Okay. So last and night, so- <laughs> when, when we had, like, been inspecting that first room up and yeah, down, I right. kept having this feeling that we were missing something, and I had looked at the stained glass windows, and I kid you not, I was like, ah, we probably don't, those probably are not a big deal. And then one of our other players goes, I want to go take a look at the stained glass windows. And you start answering him. And I'm sitting here going, oh, we were supposed to check the stained glass windows all along. And now well, I, you're telling me <laughs> I didn't think you guys were going to look at it. They weren't important. <laughs> oh my
1: God. But you know what? what's great is that in the moment when you were all with me and you're all talking and being in character, it suddenly made sense for them to, to mean something. Huh? And that was difficult to prep. Right. So what I'm, what I'm saying is like, once you guys said, what do these depict? I knew that the story I was trying to tell was that this man had infiltrated this organization and he had begun to change it within, from within, he took the disgruntled elements and manipulated them for his own benefit so that he could rise to power. And all I had to do at that point was to provide a little fun detail to to explain how we got from point A to point B. So there were three, in this one room, there were three windows next to each other. And so I had it go from one story to the next, like a triptych. Yep. And then one of the our players literally said the triptych um, yep. I uh, that too. depicts the following thing. And I was like, yep, that's what it that's is. Exactly that's what right I was it. going
0: for. <laughs> totally. The whole freaking time.
1: So while I didn't prepare specific notes, I didn't read off what I had written down. All of the tangential preparation led to be able to do that. Mm. So that's why the preparation is still incredibly important. Oh. If you don't know where you're going and you don't know what story you're trying to tell and you don't know what a scene is supposed to deliver then the improv feels like making things up as opposed to true improv, mm. right? As opposed I to like that you having that a million jokes up there se- up your sleeve. I
0: like that, that you can make that distinction between yeah. just, you know, air quotes, just making things up and improv as if improv is not just making things up. <laughs> because it is, well, listen, and at you, the you, same time, it watch- totally isn't.
1: Exactly. I mean, there's technique there. I mean, yeah. when you watch Whose Line Is it, is it anyway? Oh. And you watch Wayne Brady. This isn't four guys that are making stuff up. Right. These are four guys that have a finely honed craft. Right. So that and as bizarre and silly and even dumb as it could be at times. Mm. I mean, say what you want, but Wayne Brady, in my opinion, was an incredibly intelligent and professional guy. Oh, totally. I say that like he's dead. I be mean, but I mean, <laughs> listen, the show's not on that's actually like here's isn't it i i don't know i haven't checked but the the thing is Colin mockery forever all of those 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 people that were on that show Mm. had years and years of experience that had informed their ability to not only perform that technique but i mean don't imagine that they didn't revisit some jokes right don't imagine that oh sure they under they understood that okay this is a joke about whatever and then they just had to fill in the detail gap yep now if i think when you contrast this to what you're trying to do with the city of odd there's a couple of differences Mm. like one is you're trying to prep out all of the things that are the fun things for the gm to make up Mm. because uh there is this weird balance where you want to be prepared so you, you don't go in scared Right. but you also don't want to prepare certain things so that you can still have discovery yep. and you can still have fun. Which is your ability to discover the game with your players makes you feel like a player and you don't feel like you're working that hard. And it's fantastic. Yeah. But to get that feeling, you have to prep.
0: <laughs> well, and as I've been listening to Monty Cook's uh, Your Best Game Ever, which I have been enjoying, by the way, he does make the point of insisting on multiple occasions in the book, like he actually goes to the trouble of repeating himself on this. And he's like, I repeat, this is not a solo storytelling experience. It is a group storytelling experience. And when we as the game masters, you know, look at prep and look at, you know, even just stating the phrase, my game or my campaign or my table automatically puts you in this framework of I have to have a story that I am delivering to them instead of let's make this thing together. Correct. Mm. Correct.
1: I I couldn't agree more. You do need to have that together feel. Yeah. Right. It was so fun. Like, by the way, I think when you guys were going through the halls and just rolling investigate checks and me giving you clues that was the most fun parts of the night i would say oh
0: man i and we just out of nowhere turned investigation roles into like a total inside joke because we would we would succeed so hard on the instigation (laughs) instigation investigation checks especially one particular player in our group was just knocking every single role out of the park. And it had this really weird trajectory it took where the roles were these incredible roles that by all rights, you should be very excited about, except every single investigation check gave us all this horrible information. So anytime he'd succeed, we'd be like, Oh God, no! Just you know what? I'd rather not know. How about you just keep it to yourself,
1: right? Because the truth was always so awful. Oh, it was so and, bad, and, and and it would just r- reveal more layers of of eventual suffering that were would be in your in your future. And it's like, oh, you
0: want to know? Here you go. Yeah. You're like, no. What have I done? And any um, time you ask for the was, investigation check, we're like, do we do we really wanna? And I have
1: to say as the DM I had so much fun. I had so much fun revealing that information. I had so much fun having you guys read that handout I gave.
0: That was uh, that was it,
1: cool. Yeah, and it was a good time. You don't feel that doesn't feel like prep. Mm. That's just that's just a good time. You know, trying to figure out how animated maps work with Roll20, that's work. Ooh, that's not fun. Oof. But when your players open it up and they go ooh. ooh. That kind of makes it worth it. You know, that's a, that's a pretty good feeling. And I think that that's really the carrot that I can offer you people to prep and to be GMs is that, you know, your player's reaction is your currency. And Mm. and when they give you that feedback, you feel amazing when your players don't engage with the story and they seem ambivalent, you know, that sucks. You don't want to run another game, you know? Yeah. And by the way, as players, you should, if you like what you, what you're experiencing, Please express that,
0: especially when you're playing virtually, when literally your voice is all anyone's seeing, especially, you know, assuming you're not also using video for all you people who have fiber optic and no bandwidth issues, but yeah, yeah, you know, verbalize it. You
1: know, we, we talked about homebrewing before and, and I would recommend because, okay, with the City of Odd, you you did a very top-down approach. You wanted to create the whole world, which would have, by the way, created an incredible sense of legitimacy.
0: Oh, yes. That, that is one thing that that does do.
1: So there were certainly some positives. However, it, everything that you did would have been positive really only for the players, which is very generous. Sure. But it leaves you with very little to do. Well, with, with with very little to discover and to and to have fun with and to experience, and then the goal becomes this rigid adherence to the Bible that you've written, yeah, as opposed to that journey of discovery. Well, and and I think with with my setting with Suna, I started in a completely opposite way, yeah, where I had some vague ideas about the world. And largely, I studied with, you're a bunch of refugees on your way to go create a um, settlement. Yeah. What's it called? I have no idea. You're going to tell me. Yeah. You know, so I had a little bit of information. I did prepare an environment for you to play in and a little bit of very recent history. Mm. But beyond that, I knew very little. Yeah. Well, and. And then you began to explain it to me. Yeah. And. Then you all told me that I was a genius for coming. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And then I was like, yes, indeed. Even though I was like jotting down everything you were telling me to come up with. Right. So thank you players for helping me create a wonderful world. Yeah, there you go. It makes it fun for me.
0: I think the other huge thing to consider when trying to homebrew a world um and um the reason that between the uh top down and the bottom up approaches, I honestly feel that the bottom up approach is actually the correct wow answer. That's bold. I know, and, and that's not to that's not to say that I don't know I don't know if I agree with that yet, but please continue. Well, It's because the, the top down, and I would say correct in terms of practicality, um, only because Mm -hmm. when you do top down, there's an inherent broadness to what you have to do. And generally speaking, when you start so big, And you get a little bit smaller and you take care of all that stuff and you get a little bit smaller and you take care of all that stuff. Yeah. And you are, it is almost impossible for you to take that approach and have your players actually see beyond a fraction of all the stuff you need because it's just too big. So unless you're doing it just for the fun of the creative exercise of it, which you may. And if that's the case, it's totally fine. But if, if you're a person that has limited time and limited energy, you gotta go bottom up because.
1: So if you're a person.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, if you're a college student and you don't get much homework and you don't have a job then sure, by all means go nuts. But. If you've only got a few hours a week, if you do that, you're not going to get anywhere if you're relatively normal, at least. Um, Uh but if you start small, it lets you zero in on, okay, I'm just going to answer this one question for myself. What do I need right now? Because then it also leaves you room to adapt and actually let your players, right. Make choices and engage with building out that world, because like you said, you know, if you do it all ahead of time, what's left?
1: What's left? Yeah. Well, and and on top of that, you'll just never get there, because ultimately you're trying to work your way into you find yourself on a road in the middle of the forest on a stormy night. Right. That's ultimately where you're trying to get. Yep. But you're not there because you're like ten million years ago. Yep. The gods had a baby, and it's yeah. right. And you know, his tear became the world, and the world split off into many spheres of elements known as planes. Many and spheres and of elements known as. And planes. by the way, n- none of this is relatable or or human in any way where anyone's going to care. Right. Right. It, it, you you might be able to really impress your players well wow he sure knows a lot sure he, he sure wrote a lot um which but cool. i would which cool yeah but. but at the same time ultimately what we want a story is about people doing things that i can relate to from my own life yep. make it human so when i play in a game like mass effect i love mass effect right I, it's to especially mass effect 2 to me is like the perfect game uh and then there's planet scanning. But other than planet <laughs> scanning, it's basically the perfect game. Um and you know it, what's crazy is in that game you go to lots of different worlds and you ex- and you explore them. And every world you go to, you experience what is essentially uh, a cu- a couple of blocks yeah of of actual space, right? Like you walk down two streets
0: and you've experienced the world. That's a now that I think about it. <laughs> That kind of level design is a massive cultural generalization.
1: Well, it is. And and that's why in a lot of, by the way, sci-fi worlds, they tend to have like a singular biome. Mm. Like you go to Tatooine, it's, it's desert. You go to Hoth, it's ice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's just easier.
0: It, yeah. Yeah. It is.
1: But it's like, okay, you went to this world. There were a lot of storms. And that's where krogan come from because it's really uh rough to live there so they had to evolve to be very strong in order to survive and their culture reflects that and then here's a big giant worm it's indigenous and you fight that and that's cool and so by the time you're done you've basically got gotten the tasters menu of what Uh, tachanka is yeah and then you go to the next world and oh here's a sorry world everything's smooth and symmetrical and has nice lines Mm-hmm. Uh, here's your bad guy it's a, a sorry with uh, psychic power okay cool um okay here's uh i forget what garris was turian what welcome to turian land everything's militaristic and looks kind of uh predatory you know uh there's guns awesome right we we get these little tastes of what all these places are in the in the in, it's just like art mm-hmm. it's impressionist yeah Right, it's impressionist. We we we're, we're painting with with dabs of paint because we need to move on. We need to get to the things that are important, and the viewer stands back and they behold it and they see a painting. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you're just you're subtly or sometimes not too subtly asking the viewer. Okay, you catch my drift? Yes. You know? <laughs> Do you buy this? <laughs> <laughs> Look at these two Turian city blocks. Now picture that all over. Boom! You've now visited Turian planet. Time to go.
1: Consider the resolution of a background environment that is in the haze and atmospheric perspective versus the pixel resolution of Liara Tassoni's face. Mm-hmm. And I think there's very little comparison there. Like because we zoom in and we look at Liara Tassoni's face, we get to know her her life, and we need to see her expressions. That's immediately useful. Mm. Right. And, and that's ult- ultimately what we're trying to get to. And what's great that you can do as, 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 pr- as someone that is prepping a game is you are essentially through their actions. You're asking players what they would like to focus on. Yeah. in in every case you're, you're presenting choices and, you, but the, the, when you boil it all down, the question you're asking is, what would you like to look at? Mm-hmm. And then they choose, I would like to look at the sea instead of the mountains. And then you say, okay, uh, next session I will have the seas prepped.
0: There you go. And now you know not to prep the mountains. And now you know
1: not to prep the mountains. So that's it. part of it is that you time your big decisions near the end of the session. Yep. Uh if you can. So that that way you have time to to move to the next point. And then you get to put a lot of detail in the immediate map that you're on, uh, because you allow yourself a little abstraction uh, in the periphery. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Prepping is good. You know, I mean, there is such a thing as over prepping. And I think, yeah, certainly. Definitely. And I've covered done that. that. Too. I mean, it's, and it's what's really kind of eye opening is when you realize that over prepping really stems from fear. You're right. You don't want right. to not have the answer you don't want to be, you know, caught on the on the back foot. You want to be in front of your players all the time. And it becomes an issue of control. And I think I think mm-hmm. you really nailed something when you were saying how incredibly freeing it was when you learned yeah. to just Let go and let the players kind of answer some of your some of the questions about the world. And it kind of goes to remind us that the purpose of what we're doing is to have fun, all of us. Correct. It's not everyone else gets to have fun and the GM suffers (laughs) to suffer and have a difficult job and a headache so that their buddies can have fun. If that's happening to you, even if the rest of your group wants so badly for you to be running a game, if it's miserable for you, stop doing it.
1: You maybe Well, I would I would probably amend that slightly and I would say you're probably prepping wrong, right? Now maybe you just don't like D&D, but like You're probably over prepping. Sure. You're probably putting too much of the weight of the game on your own shoulders. Yeah. You may need different players to work with, but most likely what you probably could do is number one, I would say, take a vacation. Yep. And then I would say, number two, take a step back and not to just distance yourself from the game, but to really see it in perspective, to see your world in perspective. Yeah. And ask yourself, what's important? Love. (laughs) <laughs> That's true, right? But like, what what am I ultimately trying to say? And and I think also you can run into a lot of stress and a lot of heartache by creating a lot of expectations. Like, you know, if you have everything written out in your head, you know how every scene looks, you're going to be really disappointed when you when your players don't pick those things. And they won't. You're inclin- and they won't. And then your inclination is going to be to force it. And then they're gonna feel railroaded and they're gonna feel like their story doesn't matter. Even though you feel like you're trying to create something wonderful for them, they're trying to to interact it with it a different way. Yeah. And you and I think that you have to be comfortable with what they say in writing is you know, kill your darlings. Yep.
0: And it's and it's true. When I was doing settlements, I can't tell you how many times I had a chart written or some cool idea. Where I just had to take it out back behind the shed and get rid of it, cause, and it's it's hard, especially yeah. when the idea is a, is on its own a good one. It yeah. you know it winds up in this place where it's like, okay, this deserves to get used. There is a place for this, but it's not here or it's not now. And coming to grips with that and going, you know saying no to yourself or kind of fighting, you know, some of those instinctive reactions can be really hard, but once you learn to kind of let that stuff go and be okay with with not knowing or going a different direction or you just learn to be flexible, it makes a huge difference. And it's and that's still something that I am coming to grips with as well you know i'm reading over Strahd, and i'm trying to give it a full once over just so i have an idea of what's going yeah. to be there but i'm not going to remember mm-hmm. it all you can't
1: no you can't there's way too much
0: so yeah I, but it but it will ring familiar yeah
1: as you revisit those things and that and that'll be really nice and again there's so much value in putting a heavy amount of prep into the game yeah but you got to be so careful because burnout is real it's
0: very real and it can catch up to you shockingly fast
1: yeah it can really get you and it can really hurt your ability to to like this hobby furthermore let me also say this because i can hear the spirit of our mutual friend screaming in my ear right now (laughs) uh which is players um are not exempt from preparation
0: Mm, yeah
1: which uh, could be an entirely different inspiration point and will probably need to be at this point But let's say just really quickly that there is a lot for players to prepare on. There's a lot to think about in terms of your character, their motivation, their likes and dislikes, and the things that they're afraid of and the things that they love. Mm. To really understand their personality, to master how they sound, the idioms that they would use, how they speak. Mm. Uh, Furthermore, understanding how your class works, how your spells work understanding the game rules these are incredibly helpful to give yourself a more robust experience and to help the table move more let's say silkily silkily i like that i don't think that's real but smoothly we'll say
0: i think silkily is a word i think you're okay
1: it could be um so maybe another time but players if you if you feel if you sit down at the table and you think you, and it is your expectation that your GM has has performed his second unpaid job to sit and entertain you, well, I dare say you you may have the wrong idea, mm. and not only it, will it hurt your GM, but you'll actually get less out of this.
0: Yeah, you 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 get out what you put in. Which is not to
1: say you're going to do as much as the GM. You're not. You're not. But you should still put your fair share.
0: Let's yeah, say. and make sure that the gm is having fun with your character that's a really good sign if they seem really happy with how you play and how you engage with the game you're probably doing it right
1: and that's definitely something I want to know and i'll often ask a gm that like do you like this guy mm-hmm. do you do you want to continue to write for this guy what about what do you like do, what do you like not or not like um you know i want to hound them with questions but it's like you know, if they're excited to write for him, awesome. Let's keep going. If not, there's lots of classes I'd like to play. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, or maybe there's something I can change. Maybe this thing you don't like about him could be a character arc that we can work
0: on. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, I don't know. Something like that. Something like that.
0: Well. Yep. It's time. It's time. I, uh, I had a good time. I had a good time talking about this. See, even just goes to show you, you don't always have to prepare that much to get something.
1: Well, here's the thing, Andrew. <laughs> In a lot of ways we've been
0: preparing for a long time, right? Oh uh, god, why 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 can't we just be wrong? You know, we're just
1: I don't Welcome to Inspiration Wrong. Yeah. The podcast for the rest of us. For the rest of us. Now,
0: nah, we're always right, even when we're wrong. It's the American uh. way. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> If you like what you heard tonight, you might want to support us over on Patreon, just like our two pals, Spike and Logan, who we want to thank very p- 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 with with eloquent and well-articulated <laughs> speech. Thank you. Thank Spike you, Spike and Logan. You guys are fantastic.
1: And And thank you to all of our future patrons. Yes,
0: <laughs> the future patrons, which could be you and anyone sitting next to you so if you'd like to get your name on the show head on over to patreon.com slash inspiration point and you can support us at the five dollar level which gets you access to any voting we do and our uh, little community over on discord and basically uh, helps us prove to our wives that we are doing something remotely valuable. Um, (laughs) And if if you like us a little more than that, and you, for some insane reason, want to hang out with us just a little bit more, back us at the ever reasonable, and dare I say affordable tier of $100 per month, at which point, if you do... This fine friend of mine will run a custom-made D&D game for you and anyone else who is backing at this tier. And he will do it with character arcs, excitement, love, and a dash of panache with his mustache.
1: <laughs> <laughs> did you just
0: make that I, up? Actually, I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
1: Well... well. Well done, you see what a lifetime of t- tangential preparation will get you in the moment you
0: betcha a mustache a mustache <laughs> oh
1: man there's a there's a reference there it is
0: and please make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you found us and if this is your first time listening, please be sure to download and check out our other episodes, which are stupendous. You should be able to find us on most major podcast platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. If you listen via iTunes, please make sure to leave us a five star review and tell us what you think. Don't just click the stars. That's lazy. Click the stars and then write something awesome about us. And if you don't want to do it anyway,
1: Uh, at least two complete sentences, says the
0: teacher. Yes, at least two complete sentences. Don't partial sentences us. That's we can do math. Um sometimes. You can find our website at inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspiration point podcast. And lastly, we are on Twitter at IPRPGcast. So um we went a little long this episode, but uh I don't care because that was fun.
1: <laughs> True. Uh We're uh, excited to talk to you next time.
0: Bet. And until then, stay inspired. Bye. Bye!